manly protector or wimpy coward? When the time comes, are you prepared to stand strong? Today we discuss this, and also why physical protection is not the only form of protection a man is called to. Today's handshake, we talk about why men walk on the outside of the sidewalk closer to the road. Why? To protect their women from uh, careening vehicles or splashes of water from a car driving by. Um, The point being that uh, a man protects his lady. Today we're going to talk about protection and each man's duty to protect those that God has placed in his care his wife, his children, and really um, all those who may be vulnerable. Yeah. So for me, when I was first married, I think that was the first time in my life that I started thinking about protection. Mm-hmm. Never thought about protecting myself so much as you know defending myself. But it's a theme that we kind of grow up with, or that I grew up with, was mm-hmm. you know you've got to protect your wife. Yeah. You've got to protect your children. And so then I got married, and it's now it's time to put on my protector, you know, shield and my sword and make sure I'm prepared to protect them. And it was a very limited view of protection that I had yeah. when I first got married because I started thinking about, okay, I should buy a gun, I should take uh, mm-hmm. jujitsu, yeah. yeah, I should... Um, make sure I am prepared, whatever the case might be, you know, and, and that's the way that I'm going to protect my wife. But by God's grace, those situations haven't occurred in my <laughs> life. Not that I'm unprepared, but we're called to protect in so many different ways. Yeah. And I'd say that I was incredibly ignorant to all these other ways that we're called to protect. And so I know one thing that I'd like to go through in this episode is the idea of protection in protecting our wives and children on a deeper level in the sense of protecting their emotions, mm-hmm. protecting their spirituality. Yeah. But of course, we'll you know need to talk about physical protection as well and what are the limits of that sure. as well as what's a worthwhile pursuit. So. Yeah, so it's, it is funny though, as you mentioned, like how you that instinct becomes so powerful to protect. Yeah, you know, I just being honest was not a very warlike or you know yeah. aggressive person uh, prior to being married. Right. Um, but it's amazing how you go from as a young man in college. Um, I lived at home with my parents just to save money. Yeah, and in many ways, I was kind of dependent on them still yep. for shelter and for food and things like that. Um, you know, I tried to do my part, but I was still dependent on them. Yeah. But then one day uh, I graduated and within a few months was preparing to get married. Yeah. And it's amazing how that paradigm shift happened mentally mm. where I went from completely like just ignorant of, of any of that yeah. to suddenly feeling this strong instinct to protect my wife yeah. uh, as we you know went approached marriage yeah. uh, and that instinct has only become stronger uh, yeah. as I've had more children and realized that they're looking to me to 
protect them. Yeah. Um, I know it sounds silly, but the other day my son was, you know, he, he can be kind of anxious sometimes, and he's like, you know, I was, we was worrying about burglaries. Yeah. And I was like, no, it's my job. I'm. You know, don't worry about that. You know, yeah. I, it's my job. I lock up the house every night. You yeah. Know, I've, I've I've got the protection waiting uh, and ready, and I am ready mentally and physically in case there ever is an intruder. So I just yeah. told him, don't worry about it. You know, yeah. Daddy's good. Daddy's taking care of you. Yeah. You know? No. So. Um, it's, it's, it is a powerful instinct for us men. Yeah, it is. And we'll have to go more into that. I completely agree because that's something that came on to me and actually something that you just uh, triggered in my mind that I do every night is make Mm -hmm. sure that I check all the doors and lock up and, uh, yeah, you know, and it's honestly, I spiritually pray for, um, our lady's mantle and the sacred heart of Jesus to protect my family when I'm away. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I'm not there to yeah. lock up and to make sure. Now, of course, my wife is very capable, and that's not um, a, a concern. But there is that instinct. There is that um, strong, passionate desire yeah. that we have. And so I think um, we can really just um, harness that for the good and harness that for our family. So, right. you know, kind of just talking about what the church has instructed and guided and what we can understand from scripture, we see that, you know, right at the beginning, we had Adam who was uh, created in the dirt, right? Created out of mud and created out of dirt. And he was um, outwardly focused and, Mm -hmm. and outwardly, um, you know, strong in, in that, uh, in that creation, you know, Mm -hmm. and, uh, and then his, wife Eve you know coming from him yes built within us is that that desire to protect that which is a part of us you know and we see that um right from the very beginning in Genesis right from the very beginning that we are called to protect we also see and if we're being honest how Adam did not protect Eve yes uh from the serpent and did not protect Eve um, in the garden and what, um, a shame that is for, for all of mankind. But obviously he failed in that duty. He did. He failed in that duty. Um, and we've, we've suffered the consequences for all of human history. Um, but you know, you look at Christ, the new Adam and he was very clear that he was not going to fail in that duty. In fact, he said, I am the good shepherd the shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Yeah. And if you look at how uh, sheep pens were built uh, in Jesus' day, yeah. they were, you know, big circle or a big square right. uh, of stone, usually, you yeah. know, just built very high walls. And the shepherd, there was only one way in and out of those sheepfolds. Yeah. And it was, there was one door, and the shepherd would lay down and sleep in the doorway to make sure that nothing can get to those sheep. He yeah. placed himself in harm's way. way and to protect those sheep that were entrusted to him. And while I, you know, we're not, I'm not going to say that our, that our wife and children are sheep, yeah. the point being that they are entrusted to our care just as much as you know, a, a shepherd is guarding his sheep. And we have to place ourselves in harm's way, in danger's way, to protect them. Yeah. I also love the image of even 
um, you know, the new Adam is Jesus Christ, yes. but the new Eve is the Blessed Mother. Mother and it's just, you see that care that he had for his mother, that even on the cross, when he was suffering yeah. uh, intensely, yeah. he took care of his mother. And yeah. he said to the Apostle John, behold your mother, yeah. uh, and mother, behold your, you know, behold your son. He entrusted his mother to St. John's care. Even when he was in his death agony, he was still concerned about protecting the new Eve. And so we see the new, the old Adam failed in that duty yeah. and brought sin and, and death into the world. The new Adam, however, said he's, he, will, he will lay down his life for his bride, the church, and he will ensure, you know, as he said, none of them will be lost. You know, he, he is going to be with us till the end and ensure our eternal well-being. Amen. I like how you brought up Christ as the good shepherd because something that is very much against our modern sensibilities is removing ourselves from comfort Mm -hmm. and removing ourselves from, uh, you know, uh, personal protection and things like that. And so to talk about the good shepherd lying down in front of uh, the doorway, right? That he's not lying down on a, on a purple mattress. Mm -hmm. He's not lying down, (laughs) you know, with, uh, uh, with the pillow and comfort, but that stuff is aside for the sake of protecting that which is so much greater. And so putting Mm -hmm. our own comfort and putting our own luxuries aside for the sake of protection, I think uh, really uh, resonates with me. And, uh, you know, something that we see from childhood, right? Kind of uh, rough and tumble. And I know you've got boys (laughs) and, and we see that, you know, that sort of adventure spirit, uh, putting aside own personal fear or, you know, or comfort. But I have a, um, a nephew who I love and he's, he's growing up now to be an amazing young man. But when I first met him in China, so my brother and sister-in-law lived in China for many years. And when I first met him, he was mm, two and a half years old, maybe somewhere around there. And he jumped off of one step, marble steps. Yeah. He jumped off of one step and he saw that this whole little um, uh, step way in this hotel was, was four steps high. And then it had like a little ledge that was four steps that came out. And he was comfortable. He wanted, after he jumped off one step and thought, wow, that was incredible. <laughs> he didn't go to the second step. He went straight up to the fourth step, walked around on the ledge, this little two-year-old, and and almost jumped right off. And I'll never forget his mom basically catching him <laughs> from jumping down four steps yes. at the age of two onto a marble ground. Um, but, you know, again, it's kind of built within us. Yeah, yeah. So. My boys just, they run around the house with swords. Everything's a weapon. You know, yeah. they find a stick. Um, you know, they'll, they'll even turn their food into a weapon sometimes and you're up to like, okay, not right now, not what we're eating. But the point is they're, they have that naturally, um, aggressive, outwardly focused protective instinct. It's, it's fascinating. Um, my daughters, they'll dress up in their princess dresses and they'll run around the house saying, oh, you know, I'm a little princess, save me from the dragon. You know, and the boys are running around with their swords and shields, you know, fighting the dragon or fighting the bad knights or something like that. Um, and they just have that 
instinct that's so yeah. powerful in them. Yeah. You know, the girls, my daughters, they just want to nurture. Yeah. Give me a doll. I know. Give me something mm. to love. And the boys are like, give me something to fight. That's right. That's just kind of their that's instinct. Right. And and as men, that's, <clears throat> that's how God designed us. And oftentimes we can channel that aggression in all the wrong ways. Yeah, sure. You know, you think of guys getting in bar fights yeah. and things like that where it's just petty, it's just stupid. Correct. It's just aggression for aggression's sake. Um, but but men have that um, instinct for war, yeah. for defense. Um, you know, think about why guys, you know, the stereotype of a, a guy loving football. Yeah. But why do we love that? Because it's it's basically like mock war. Yeah. It's like uh, play war almost right. because we just we don't have any too many outlets for that anymore as men. No. But the point is, we we want to defend. We want to we want to protect and. Um, you know, society tells us that that's like mm-hmm. toxic masculinity mm-hmm. now. That's right. That aggression is, you know, oh, that's toxic. Yeah. You know, take all the swords and the guns away from the boys. You know, we don't want them to. But, but no, channeled in the right way, it's a beautiful gift from God to have that protective instinct. Yeah, so true. You know, I love that you brought up your your sons because your sons are a little bit older than mine. I've got ol- uh, older daughters. I've got two two daughters right there. And they do. They love to nurture. And I feel so blessed that I have older daughters that want to help with the baby (laughs) and want to. um, But that being said, my four-year-old son, you just reminded me, he was sitting underneath um, an end table. So we had this side table, this end table, and he was trying to get my attention. And I was in the middle of a conversation, probably with my wife, and I just said, "Um, David, no, I need you to, um, you know, just wait, just wait. And he said to me, okay, well, then I'll just go on shooting things. <laughs> and I don't know where that came from. And I was like, you go on shooting things. Like he has a couple of Nerf guns. He doesn't, uh, he's never, I don't think he's ever even seen me shoot a real gun. Um, but, but that instinct, I remember that surprised me and I laughed just like you did. I was like, you go on shooting things. What are you doing down there? <laughs> you know? And, um, you know, and, and I'm thinking about that, um, that growth in masculinity that in our society is being kind of squished, you know, kind of squashed and, and, and removed, like you just mentioned, that our our sons, we are competing for our sons' hearts yes. to help form them as authentic men mm-hmm. and help inform them on what is right and mm-hmm. good in including within this protector instinct. Like, so if my son said, I'm shooting you, dad, well, then we'd have like, okay, well, you know, let's not shoot me, but let's shoot shoot other things, you Mm -hmm. know? And it's so interesting what the church has always taught, but, or what we can always understand in scripture, but what the secular society has, you know, kind of goes full circle in one direction or another, you know, and it interests me because another thought that you spoke of just reminded me of on fatherhood.gov yeah there's that article that new article that just came out about how wrestling with your sons might be a good thing for them might not be so bad yeah exactly like harnessing their aggression and not causing them to push it deep down you know and and ignore it is something that can be beneficial for those kids if and only if as we're talking about you're there to guide them you right. know, because left uncontrolled, 
we're talking about bar fights and smashing beer bottles and you know and, right. and who knows what other well, and, you know, and violence like, but um, school shootings and things like that yeah. theater shootings I mean our society is rampant with that yeah why because I think a lot of men have been denied that healthy rightly ordered yeah. uh, aggression and they stuff it down and then it just festers into this so unhealthy rage. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they call them these incels, you know, these in, yeah. involuntary celibates and things like that, where they're just filled with rage against society, against women, against men, like just yeah. just rage. Yeah. And and they unleash it in the most devastatingly tragic way. Yeah. And I'm not saying that, you know, that because their dad didn't wrestle with them, that's Agreed. why they're doing that. But mm-hmm. I'm saying that we have to acknowledge that men have that instinct. And when you... Yeah. Kind of, uh, for lack of a better word, neuter men. Yeah, thank and you. And tell mm-hmm. them that that's completely illegitimate, completely toxic, that essentially their manhood is toxic. Yeah. Um, it has extremely tragic results, and we need to be very careful about that as a society. But also, you know, and this is also probably an unpopular thing to say, yeah. but men are, by and large, bigger than women physically. Yeah. That's why men and women's sports right. teams don't compete in the Olympics that's why, you know, the, for almost every sport you can think of, there's a male and a female yeah. version of that sport yeah. because we just intuitively know that men and women are built differently. That's right. Of course, there's exceptions. There's small That's men. There's, right. there's larger women. Yeah. But, but predominantly, men are bigger and stronger than women, and that's how God designed it. And we're to use that strength for good yeah. because, let's face it, strength uh, not used for good can be very destructive. Agreed. But I, I've thought, I remember seeing just recently um, a flood. I think it was in Texas or something yeah. like that. Um, and there was, was just you know a bunch of pictures of the destruction. But there was also one picture that really stood out to me. Oh. And it was uh, a big, like, burly, strong guy. Yeah. And he was carrying through the floodwaters a woman in his arms. Yeah. And the caption said they weren't related or anything, but he had just found that woman stranded in the floodwaters. And yeah. he had just picked her up and carried her to safety. And that is what rightly ordered strength, masculine strength, looks like. Absolutely. I completely agree. I think of the first Captain America movie. Yeah. Right? And how it goes beyond just your wife or your relative or somebody, you know, a close relationship, like you were just suggesting. And in that opening of the movie, what I think called to the heart of every man was how this puny, you know, uh, <laughs> former before he, you know, got all hyped up on, on synthetic steroids and stuff, um, how he was still willing to go to bat against guys twice his size right. for the dignity of women. Yes. It didn't matter if he knew them or he didn't. Yep. There is right, there is wrong, yep. and I'm willing to stand up against wrong. Yeah. And again, that goes to that archetype within us yeah. uh, of man as as protector. Yep. And we got to see it very clearly in that. And so I think within that, talking about protecting the dignity yep. of women is something, or our wife, is something that I know I grew to incredible uh, lengths when I got married was, you know, and I think any of us listening, you know, can kind of agree is that if somebody were to verbally abuse our wives, oh yeah, which has happened to me on the phone to my wife, yeah, I will literally 
throwdown, as they say. Right. And I will, I will ask for the number, and I will, um, you know, I'm willing to give them a call back mm-hmm. and 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 direct and instruct, and yeah. you know, because and and that's just you know verbally. But if somebody were to ever uh, look at my wife cross or suggest something um, beneath her dignity, mm-hmm. I often don't know what I would do in my in yeah. my willingness to protect her and and but I do know that um, I'll rise to the occasion, whatever that occasion might might well, bring right. in that situation. So. And you, you mentioned Captain America, and I love that so much oh, because. Good. Um, he was a hero before he had the physical strength. Yeah. And I think that there's, there's a sense in which we, we may doubt our physical yeah. abilities, you know, now and then, um, you know, well, do I have what it takes to take on yeah. a guy who's bigger than me? But the moment that you feel that, again, your wife um, or your mother or any woman who in any way you want to protect them, yeah. um, you forget all about that. And you'll you go do. up against some guy way bigger than you. you do. I actually remember in high school, this yeah. just came into mind while you were talking. Um, I remember uh, I was, um, I can't, I was probably like 17 or something yeah. like that. I wasn't a very big guy. I'm still not a very yeah. big guy. Um, but I remember I was at work with my mom and one of her coworkers was just verbally like attacking her. Like it was a really bizarre situation, but he was just letting her have my my mom mm. have it verbally. Mm. Mm. And I was sitting there watching and I was just, the, the anger was building. Of course. And I, and I just had this instinct like, you leave my mom alone. And yeah. finally, uh, I just snapped. And I, I went over to this guy who was like 6'3", and I'm like 5'6", yeah. like or something. And I was yeah. like, you leave my mom alone. And I was just like, I let him have it. And he, yeah. he backed off. He's like, whoa. Like okay, yeah. you know, and but I didn't care about his size in that moment. Yeah, exactly. And the same with my wife. Like I'd take on a guy way bigger than me. I don't, you that's know, right. you leave her alone. That's right. And that's that's what anger was made for. That's right. That's what that aggression that God has given yeah. us was made for. It's not for for bar fights or picking fights that's or right. you know you respect me or any you know this kind of um, swaggering attitude that um, some guys can develop when it hasn't been taught to them how That's to right. channel that rightly. But God has given us anger only to protect the good. Yeah. And you look at the instances in the Gospels where Jesus got angry, mm-hmm. it was only and always when he saw the vulnerable being um, attacked Taking by those in power, of. whether it was the Pharisees were you know, binding heavy burdens on these, these vulnerable yeah. people um, or the outcasts or the lepers or things like that. Jesus would get angry. Yeah. And he would even attack the Pharisees in the sense of, you know, you 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 whiten supplicators, you vipers, yeah. you know, and he would verbally, um, you know, or even sometimes physically with cleansing the temple, get into action. Yeah. But it was only when, not when he was threatened, but when when the vulnerable were threatened. Right. And that's why God's given us that that instinct. Yeah, and I liked how you said that that's the purpose of anger and that's the use of anger because I would say that that's anger that's kept in check, right? Yes. Because we as men are naturally prone, at least I know I am and friends in my life, we're naturally prone to aggression. We're naturally prone to anger. And on this theme of being a protector, it's important to protect our families from our own base instincts, yes. right? So, you know, our kid could do something 
that uh, causes incredible frustration in us. And it's our job to protect them from ourselves yes. if we are not keeping that in check. Absolutely. Right? So we might have had a long and exhausting day. We might have put in 12 hours of work and uh, received some bad news and just all around, you know, uh, kind of feel beaten down. And if our kid comes and does something, you know, very contrary to mm-hmm. our desires, we might let them have it. Yeah. And that's not good. That's sinful. And right. so we have that uh, responsibility to also protect our wives and protect mm-hmm. our children from those uh, base instincts and working on keeping that that emotion in oh, check. Yeah. yeah, hold your tongue. You know, yeah. count to 10, whatever you need to do, yeah. go to the other room, cool off so that you make sure that you're not just exploding at your children all the time because words can wound just as much as, <sighs> so you know, true. physical blows or something. You know, and I think I would say, I would hope that most men... Um, aren't you know they're capable of you know, restraining their their desire for physical aggression yeah. against their family um, but still we we often um, can be very aggressive verbally when we're angry with our yeah. children or with our wife and that can be just as destructive just as hurtful as you know physical yeah, uh, abuse. so we just we we have you know, it's a great point we have to control that instinct for the good of our family. Um, And uh, you can see the destruction when men and uh, boys, you know, and eventually men haven't learned how to control that. Um, The the incredibly tragic consequences of that. Yeah, so true. And also understanding the emotions of the others around us. Mm -hmm. So I know women experience emotions generally on a deeper level. Yes. Or they, um, they'll reflect on them for longer periods of time. Mm-hmm. And so our recognition of that mm-hmm. and our willingness to protect them from despair or from lacking in hope and because of, say, a news article yeah. or a social media post or things of that nature. I know that, so if we're being honest, this was the scales falling off my eyes in when I got married. Yeah. It was It was strictly on the physical protection. It wasn't on the moral protection of children and, you know, and, and the emotional protection of my wife. But I was instructed um, by a great priest that I am required and responsible to protect my wife's emotions. And I'm like, I'm, do what? Women are emotional. Like, that's it's just the way. Yeah. And I don't have to, you know, what are you talking about protecting that? And But then it was really quick that I saw that something that would disrupt me, you know, some political situation or somebody said this or a, a Catholic politician would support something very non-Catholic, you know, mm-hmm. something very contrary to the faith, and how it would disrupt me for a few hours, but I would have to vent and I would go and vent to my wife and it would depress her for multiple days. Yeah. And it was just something that, and guess what? It served no good, right? We would both yeah. pray about uh, that individual and pray about this situation and we were turning to prayer, but it wasn't something that mm-hmm. could be easily offered up and then compartmentalized yes. like we can do and then forgotten, as yeah. is the case that I'm capable of. 
And I'd like to say that that only happened one time, but it probably happened a hundred times. Yeah. You know, before I, I really started, and I'm still working on this, right? Because there's sometimes that's something that just needles in your brain that you feel like you need to get out. Yep. And in those moments, call a friend. You know, I've yeah. got, at least that's what I need to do yeah, because yeah. talking to my wife in a situation where it's completely out of our control, you know, except for turning to prayer, it's unnecessary to burden her yes. with that uh, news or with that uh, social media post. And I have a responsibility to protect her yeah. from that. Yeah, and, you know, men and women handle things differently. Yeah. We see a, a news headline about the government or, you know, about some economic crisis or yeah. something like that, and we tend to get mad, yes. like we've been talking about, like, you know, oh, how dare they or whatever, and we want to vent about that. Yeah. But women, they handle stress with worry. Yeah. Women are prone to anxiety as kind of their predominant way of handling yeah. things. Um, and when we dump that kind of new, bad news on our wives, yeah. it fuels that motherly anxiety that they have because mm. why they care they care about their children that's right they're the, they're very rarely worried about themselves yeah they're worried about their children yeah. and the well-being of their family that and so they can just kick that anxiety into high gear yeah for sure um and the more or the the less they feel like they can do anything about it the more prone they can be to depression and things like yeah. that so yes as men we have a responsibility to just not tell our wives about that thing if, if, especially if we know they're sensitive to it. Some women can just brush it off and, yeah. you know, just go about their lives. But a lot of women are very sensitive to that. That's and my right. wife has actually told me, yeah. point, you know, right out, don't tell me. I don't want to right. know because it just ruins my day. Yeah, ruins my mood. Well. I was happy until you told me that. That's so just right. don't tell me. <laughs> That's right. And like, you stress about it. <laughs> and what's the worst when, when your wife says, I was happy until yeah. you told me about that? And that's that for me, I've had those exact same experiences. And for me, that just hits me right upside the yeah. head of, you're right. I just I took something from her right. because of my failure to protect. Yeah. And I think that's so important. The church has also directed that we as fathers are the uh, spiritual heads of our family. Mm -hmm. And I think we can go really um, deep into un, you know, unfolding the layers of, of that onion because, you know, with our wives and with our children, we do have that uh, right to protect them from uh, concupiscence, right? Protect them from their natural desires and inclinations, which I know have come up in other episodes of kids unknowing. And we have, uh, we have to protect them from that because if we don't, if we just constantly state, oh, you know, Susie is just a little, you know, girl or Jimmy is just a little boy and all little boys do this stuff. And, mm -hmm. and we just let them get away with stuff. Mm -hmm. Then they never learn yep. that there are, um, that there are consequences for their actions. Yes. And then, or that there is right and wrong. Right. And so then in that future growth and development that they have as, as a child, we're doing a disservice to them. So, so yeah. the protection instinct goes as deep of protecting them from their future selves, I would say, yes. that were not guided and directed um, according to their very essence and their very nature. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, 
virtue, if virtue is habitually choosing the good, yeah. vice is habitually choosing what's wrong. And newsflash, children have a sin nature just like we That's do. Right. And you know those 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 instincts towards selfishness, towards anger and aggression. Yeah. Um, you know, as they get older, even towards lust and things like that. Those are all present in children. And um, we have a responsibility as fathers to uh, train them in virtue, help them root out those vices. Because as Catholics, we know that, you know, the more um, sinful your life is, the less happy you are. And if you truly care about your children, you're going to help them understand um, the consequences of sin. Um, and the, the, you know, as scripture says, the wages of sin is death. That's Do right. you really want that for your children? No, you don't. No. So you have a responsibility to, to protect them and train them morally yeah. to understand the moral life. Um, and actually I want to say like a lot of people think this, think of that in very abstract terms yeah. uh, of, well, I've got to like, you know, give my children a philosophy or a theology lesson. Sure. <laughs> no, yeah. form their moral imagination. Oh, I love it. So in addition to that loving discipline that fathers have a responsibility to give their children, form their moral imagination, read them stories yeah. of good versus evil, yeah. teach them to recognize evil when they see it. And the great way to do that is through stories. Like I'm, yeah. like I said in a previous episode, I'm reading my, my boys The Hobbit right now. Yeah. And they love that because the bad guys are so obvious yeah. and the good guys are really obvious. Now, sometimes in life things are a little bit more complicated than yeah. that, but it trains them to recognize evil. Yeah. It trains them to recognize what good looks like. So when those moments come, they're tested. They, they know how to respond. They know how to be courageous. They know how to pursue the good in life. And that's just as much a part of protecting your children morally as you know, loving discipline. I like what you said because I made uh, that a point of mine when we were reading stories with my kids mm-hmm. to, at the very end of the story, it could have been a horrible kid's book for three or four year olds, but we'll always try and talk about the, the virtue or the moral of the story. Yeah. And I'd always want to see what my kids gathered from that first and then use that as an opportunity mm-hmm. to talk to them about, you know, what uh, was gathered, even if it's, uh, and I think this is even maybe more impactful, is if there wasn't really a moral to the story and the story was just, you know, interesting or, you know, flashy colors and, you know, action-packed, but there was really no purpose, they'll pick up on that now. Mm -hmm. And they don't care for stories like that. And I know my, uh, my daughter... Uh, when she was at uh, in kindergarten at a um, at the Catholic school, uh, the teacher in uh, talked to my wife and I and said, "You know, it's really interesting. After reading time, like I try and get them to understand what the moral is, or you know, we talk about what should what is this story trying to teach us." Mm-hmm. And Gemma's always really quick, and sometimes she even tells us that it's not very clear. <laughs> like, <laughs> we practice that at home a lot, so I appreciate you bringing that up. You know, and and then I think another way as as spiritual head um, of protecting our kids and morally forming them is is even protecting them from their own emotions. Like we talked already briefly about the mm-hmm. masculine emotion left unchecked. But it's also important for us to teach our kids uh, to to window check their emotions, yeah. right? And I know you've used the example of a horse, you know, with reins and the bridle and the reins on the horse and, and a horse that's been 
uh, trained and a horse that's been guided is 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 beautiful yeah. and and is is really uh, stunning. But a, a wild horse, you know, can't be controlled. It can't be contained. Can't mm-hmm. be used for um, a purpose. And I th- we have an obligation and a responsibility to that as well with our kids because you know, very frequently they allow their emotions to get the better of them. Mm-hmm. And for those of us with larger families, we see that on a daily basis yeah. with with our children's emotions amongst themselves. Yeah. And always being there to um, guide and and order, you yeah. know, those, right. those tiny little emotions. And I try and use those descriptors when I'm talking to my kids and talk about... You know, it's a raging rhino within you, and it's your job yeah. to pull this, pull this back, and to control this. And let's discuss ways that we can do that, right? Because it's not very good in the mind of a four-year-old just to say, "Hey, you've got a raging rhino in you. You got to figure that out," yeah, right? And so right, we have yeah. to, we have to say, next time this comes up, next time you experience this, what is something that we can do? Um, you know, can we count to five? Yeah. You know, can we? And I try and let my kids come up with ideas, right? Because if they're not committed then it's not going to occur to them. And if we're being honest, right, the next time they get angry, it doesn't occur to them either. But Mm -hmm. that repetitive um, reminder and that um, guidance is something that can help children succeed in life and can grow in that um, and those virtues that they need. Right, yeah, and and that that brings to mind, um, you know, two of my kids. Each kid has their own struggles, their own temptations towards vice, um, one of my uh, kids has real struggles with anger. Yeah, he just has temper tantrums, meltdowns, yeah. things like that. Um, that's his particular weakness, mm. and so we we work on that all the time. Yeah, um, learning to teach him patience, turning yeah. you know, teaching him self control, ways of calming himself, so you know, kind of soothing those emotions on his own in a way that doesn't harm someone else. Yeah. Um, you know, another one of my kids, though, struggles with vanity. Like, mm-hmm. he's, he's a great kid, but he, yeah. he struggles, he, like, when he was younger, he was like four. He would change yeah. outfits like three or four times a day. Oh. It was really over the top. Yeah. And we're like, kid, you got to stop. Like, <laughs> he would just disappear to his room and come out in a different outfit. And we're like, no, you don't need to do that. No. But he loves to look sharp. He loves yeah. to look nice. And that's fine. I, I like to look nice, too. Yeah. You know, I like to dress well. And, um, yeah, me too. Yeah. But what I've been teaching him lately is it's about moderation. It's yeah. about oh, uh, avoiding the sin of vanity. Yeah. You know, get dressed in the morning. Do your best to look sharp. Uh, fix your hair, whatever you want to do, and then just forget about it. You know, don't be uh, fussing about it, you know, and looking in the mirror every 10 mm-hmm. seconds. You know, don't temper that. Temper that because the instinct is not wrong to look nice. Yeah. You know, Catholic gentlemen, we want to look sharp. That's right? right. But at the same time, everything in moderation. And as kids learn that, it can be a very, you know, powerful way for them to see that something a little bit can be good. Yeah. A lot can be very um, harmful and destructive. So we we need to learn to temper all things, whether that's anger, whether that's the temptation to vanity, whether that's the temptation to aggression, yeah. um, you know, gluttony, whatever your particular weakness happens to be. Yeah. So. Yeah. Thank you, Sam. So I think we've talked a lot about you know the archetype of of protector we've talked about the spiritual side of um, and even emotional side of of being a protector but i, I want to talk about some ways that maybe you or i uh work to protect our family our wives our children 
in a little bit, um, I know we kind of bring up our examples and things like that, but, but bring up in more you know, practical ways. And the first one that comes to mind is protecting family time. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to think about how a family that prays together, stays together, right? Um, Father Patrick Payton, and, um, and how a family that um, spends time together mm-hmm. grows in love with each other. Yes. And I'd say it's our job as well to protect that family time. Yeah. Like to the point where I would say that when it comes to Sunday, if my neighbors ask us to do something, and sometimes we do stuff with my neighbors on Sunday, I've noticed that they'll say, hey, I know that, you know, Sunday's normally your family time and stuff. We would just like to get together with your family. Would you be, yeah. you know, open to that? And it, it, the first couple times that that happened, I was like, Sunday's my family time. Well, I mean, I guess it is, but what am I doing to make, make him right. realize that? But, I mean, it's just by yeah. our example mm-hmm. that our family has things that we do. And so that's so important to to protect, protect family time. So for us, family time is uh, dinner. We're going to eat dinner together. We're going to pray together, um, usually right after dinner. And then uh, also protecting Sunday, Mm -hmm. you know, and maybe we don't jump right into this, but just saying that we're going to protect Sunday is not enough. You've got to plan Sunday. You've got to plan what it is that you're going to do as a family yeah. to protect that time. Because if you enter into Sunday and you've got mass and you've gone to mass and then after mass, you don't know what to do, then I've experienced that it just dissolves into all of us doing our own thing yes. within our you know common roof, you know, yeah. over our heads or something. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What are you going to do? What are you not going to do? Yeah. Um, you know, I think too, the importance of shared rituals as a mm. family can that be liturgy. so yeah. binding. And there's no runway, right way to do this. Yeah. But for us, one of the things we do um, that's really kind of a non-negotiable for us, whatever craziness happens in the day, we do family prayers before bed. Yeah. And we, we light some candles. Yeah. Um, and we have kind of our own little family liturgy that we pray several different prayers, invoke our saints, things like that. Yeah. Um, and the kids look forward to that. They love that. They love the candlelight. Uh, we turn off all the other lights, you know, and then, you know, then they each get to blow out a candle. And it's just something that we do as a family, even when we're traveling, even yeah. when we're um, on the road, we make a point to do this as a family. And that's just one example. There's the kind of infinite ways you can do that. For sure. But um, for us too, you know, family family dinner is kind of a, a sacred time for us. Yeah. Um, you know, if I'm traveling or something and can't be there, um, that's one thing. But but we make a point to um, eat together, to dinner together around the table. Yeah. We a- I ask kids questions. You know, what's something you're grateful for? What's something fun you learned today? Um, we we just enjoy those moments together and take our time about it. For you sure. know, uh, we're not rushing off to go do something else. Uh, and then kind of one other thing I've, I've mentioned in a previous episode, but I love yeah. reading to my kids. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, mm-hmm. And we'll read for, you know, an hour sometimes before bed or um, just uh, little short stories, sometimes longer stories. Uh, but the point being that we spend that quality time together. Yeah. And it just strengthens your bond as a family so much more. Yeah, and I love this. I love also the fact of how I didn't realize 
any of this when mm -hmm. I first got married, yeah, right? Either, yeah. The idea of protecting family time is definitely something my parents did. Mm -hmm. So I grew up with that, but I never thought saw it or thought of it as an act of protection. Mm -hmm. But it really is protecting that time together yeah. and not allowing the stresses, the frustrations, or the, the noise of yeah. life to take that away from us. And, uh, you know, and I'm not perfect at it, right? There's still frequent days that I'm sitting down at the table. Um, I've had very humbling experiences personally where family time has been disrupted by my unchecked emotions. But it doesn't mean I stop doing it right. or I don't know the worth of it and yeah. that um, my kids are able to appreciate that as well. But I, it takes on a whole new dimension when it's not just something you do, but it's something that we as men are protecting mm -hmm. for our family. I think that's just a really great thing to focus on and to uh, really pray about is that um, protector instinct. And I would say for your family and and I would say that that is something that's authentically um, uh, masculine about, mm -hmm. about our roles in life. And so yeah. I think for me, um, it's important to, I guess, admit even to a deeper level or, or discuss protecting our wives. Um, so I protect my wife physically. We've talked about that. We protect them, you know, from an intruder. We're we're willing to do that, but that. Well, yeah. I was just gonna say about about that. Yeah. Uh, you know, everyone, uh, most Catholics know about G.K. Chesterton. Yeah. You know, the, the jolly giant, you know, of uh, right. of uh, author uh, and playwright and everything else. Um, that he was, but he, anybody who knows anything about Chesterton knows that he was like the least. Uh, warlike guy in person, you know. Yeah. He, he often used like warlike metaphors in his writing and things like that. But he was not a very. Uh, he was a friend of everybody. That's right. And he was he was happy. He was always laughing. Um, not somebody you'd think of as a very aggressive person. No. Um, but one of the first things he did when he got married, in fact, I think he even did it this, uh, on his wedding day, yeah. was he went and bought a revolver, yeah. and he would always keep it under his his his, his pillow when he when, uh, oh, at wow. night. And he would carry it with him when he was traveling, and people would say, "Why do you have a gun?" And he's like, yeah. "To protect my bride, you That's know." Right. And like he took pride in that. I don't think he ever fired a shot in his whole life, but the point was he was prepared, he was and willing. he, you know, in his own way, uh, he he wanted to protect his wife. Did he have a cane that had a sword in That's it? That's right. He had a yeah. sword cane too. Yeah. <laughs> the sword cane. How awesome. I got to get me one of those. I do not own one. It's something about men and blades. That's like you right. Just, you gotta, you know, <laughs> there's a romance of the blade. I've already showed that. Yeah, I got a pocket knife with me. Um, a romance with the blade. I like that. So um, protecting our wives' emotions can take different forms. And I know it's something you and I have discussed because Yes, we talked about protecting our wives um, or women in our lives, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, a little broader, is that their um, emotions, their processing, their, uh, you know, the duration of negative news is something that we have to protect them from. But it was also something that you brought up to me in a conversation that protecting our wives' emotional health Mm, yeah. is something we are called to do as protectors. Yeah. And I know, again, that this was something that never occurred to me mm -hmm. until I was seeking counsel yeah. years into marriage of 
just not understanding my wife. And I yeah. have sisters. That's what I grew up with. I didn't have any direct brothers. Um, yeah. But again, never thought about it there, too. Mm-hmm. It's just the difference between men and women, you know. Yeah. One is from Venus and one is from Mars, right? Yeah, and, right. Uh, and that's the difference. But you've brought up that that need to protect our wives' emotional health. Yeah, so what, we're, we're getting practical here, right? Yeah. So one way to, to do that is yeah. that our wives, especially when they have children, they need a break. Yeah. Um, you know, and know when your wife needs a break. Know when she needs to go out with some other moms and just yeah. have some fun. Know when she needs to put her feet up, when she needs a break from the chores, when she needs a break from the kids. Um, know when she needs to go on a retreat maybe, you know, like just be sensitive to your wife's needs yeah. emotionally, physically. Some women get tired. They you sure know, when do. you're with little people all day trying to meet their needs and it, it can just feel like a drain yeah. um, emotionally and physically. So just be sensitive to that. Um, the other thing, too, is, um, you know, your wife's emotional health uh, is no one she needs to talk. Mm. Um, you know, guys <laughs> just kind of grunt, you know. Yeah. You know. <laughs> but sometimes your wife really needs you to listen. Yeah. Um, and as men, our, our first instinct is like, oh, you're going to talk about problems? I'm going to talk about solutions. And we try to, like, fix everything Amen. right away. That's what I do every time. Yep. <laughs> there's, a, there's a great YouTube video I encourage everybody to look up. It's called It's Not About the Nail. And it shows this, the whole video is this woman with a nail in her head, and she's talking about a headache and how uncomfortable she is. And the guy's like, just just, just pull a nail yeah. out of your head. But but no, like that's not what she needs. Yeah. She just needs you to listen, yeah. to just be attentive, to just hear what she has to say, to understand her perspective. And that's hard work for guys. It is. Like we don't relate in that way naturally. So for uh, for us men, like that can be a great way to protect our wives' emotional health. That's so true. It's just to listen to her when she needs to be listened to yeah. without trying to fix everything for her because sometimes it's not fixable. Yeah. But she just needs you to listen. Well said. And, you know, and being proactive in that, yeah. I think that's so great. How many times I've gotten gotten home and and forgotten the fact that my wife has been around Four kids, yeah. not of the age of reason, and <laughs> one kid uh, who who is, but still young, and not gotten to speak to an adult right. once right. that whole day, and wanting to talk to me, yeah. you know, and have uh, some level of adult and logical conversation. <laughs> right. And how many times I've forgotten that? My wife is good at reminding me that because I I've said this to my wife so many times is. Like, I don't get these things, right? Like, I need you right. to, to tell me that, well, I'm now past that point in my maturity. I'm past that point of understanding that she needs these things. So I do my best to be proactive mm-hmm. and really think about when can we structure, if possible, a time where my wife gets to leave yes. the house. Yeah. Or if I'm coming home, sometimes it happens, and my wife knows this about me, mm-hmm. that like kind of I'm a 24-hour notice guy. Yeah. Like, give me 24-hour notice before yeah. before you need this. But it, life doesn't happen like that, right? right. And so um, while we can be proactive in these situations, be prepared as well for when our wife has literally just had an incredibly rough day, yeah. trying day, and not had any source of 
of adult um, communications um, throughout that day and just needs a, needs a break. And so she'll text me, and as long as we don't have anything pre-prepared uh, that day, or she'll call me, I know that, um, all right, you know, time to man up yeah. and, and realize that whatever I had planned that day, even if I hadn't planned something, this is now being required of me for the right. sake of my wife. Yeah. Yeah, so important. It so really important. is. And uh, let's talk about kids, though. Mm. You know, how can we protect our kids? Uh, because there's a lot of uh, things threatening kids these days. Pressures that e- even you and I, when we were young, didn't have to face. No. Nope. Um, you know, I was reading recently about just the kind of epidemic of cyberbullying and things mm. and how that can destroy kids' emotional health. And um you know, sometimes uh, we live in our little Catholic bubble and, like, forget about some of the things that kids have to face these days. Right. So as fathers, um, how can we protect our kids uh, emotionally, physically? And spiritually. Um, the physical part is easier, yeah. but it's still, right. it's still a reality. Yeah, exactly. And I think of the physical part, right? Let's start with the easy. Uh, the physical part is protecting them when they're young from accidents. Going back to my nephew, yeah, yeah, um, and his mother protected him from cracking his head. Mm-hmm. By <laughs> that, yeah. that uh, that was a moment of protection, and and we are we have to do that for our kids. Mm-hmm. We have to keep one eye open, you know. So one eye on our kids because they're going to test the bounds. They're going to test the limits. They're going to figure things out. They're going to think it's you know hilarious to jump from you know 15 steps up and you're like what are you thinking you know but because they haven't experienced <laughs> Have you that seen those youtube reels of the dad saves where there's like uh, you know a kid about to yes. know, ride his bike in front of a car and the dad grabs, grabs him at the last and they second flip over in a swing and the dad catches them <laughs> yes, yeah i have yeah, and that's awesome. exactly right and so we are required to to look over the newspaper, mm-hmm. right? We're required to look over the book or look over the computer, whatever the case might be, and keep an eye on our children. So that's that's obvious, and and but maybe it's not. I don't know. It's it's obvious for me, but um, sometimes we get so distracted by the noise that we forget uh, that which is most important in front of us. Yeah. So, but also protecting them uh, emotionally as well, yeah. right? Protecting them from um, you were bringing up uh, cyberbullying, mm-hmm. you know, and so I mean, I guess there's a little bit of physical and a little bit emotional in that as well, but protecting them from <clears throat> getting on social media at a young yeah. age. I think we're both in agreement that our kids are not going to be getting right. on social media. Right. Our kids are not going to be getting a smartphone. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but people need to realize that. The world does not care right. about their emotional or physical health. Right. The world cares about making money. Right. And could that be seducing them to an addiction at a young age? Yeah. And I know your work with Covenant Eyes and <clears throat> mine with Integrity Restored and things like that are have absolutely opened our eyes yeah. to the need for that level of protection. Right. Well, and you, you look at... Uh, Again, kind of going back to the cyberbullying thing, yeah. Yeah, some kids have actually committed suicide mm. as a result of being uh, cyberbullied. And this is at a young age. This is sometimes fourth, fifth, sixth grade. Yeah. Uh, these are young, young kids. And what that tells me is there was a failure there yeah. of parental connection yeah. and parental protection. That's right. Um, some Somewhere, somehow, there was a failure there. And, 
And, um, you know, like I said, my kids, are they're not going to experience that. Like yeah. I, as a father, am going to protect them from yeah. that kind of thing. The other thing, too, is a lot of parents, they're naive. They just think, my kid, he wouldn't do anything That's like right. that. That's right, naivety. No, he wouldn't do anything bad. Not my kid. No. Nope. He's a good kid. So they hand him a, a unguarded cell phone or iPad and... You know, just one curious, they, they heard a word somewhere or something and they decide to Google it. And before you know yeah. it, they're looking at pornography or something like that. Um, and it, it has nothing to do with being a good or bad kid. Yeah. Let me tell you that. Yeah. Because the best kid in the world can get sucked into that. It's and it could set them up for years of addiction. Yeah. Um, you know, I've heard of kids young as six, you know, being export, uh, exposed to pornography okay. and developing an addiction that can be with them for 20, 30, 40 years. Oh, what a cross. And, by the time they've been into it that long, and they what they'll say is, my parents never told me. Yeah, they did. They just didn't tell me. I didn't know, uh, um, and it it sucked me in, and I've been unable to extract myself from its grip. So it's a very real danger. And handing your kid an unprotected device yeah. is like handing him a loaded gun. I agree. You got to teach them the rules. You got to teach them the responsibility. I agree, and I think. Protecting them from their friends whose parents might not have, exactly. have that sort of wherewithal like like we're discussing right here <clears throat> is also important because they'll find it. Yes. If if they want to get on social media, mm-hmm. if they want to um, investigate and experience and discern, you mm-hmm. know, these sort of things, they're gonna find it if they're allowed to be around mm-hmm. friends yeah. who have unchecked you know, access. Mm-hmm. And so that's a deeper level. You have to have those awkward conversations. You're going to have to have those for the sake of your children. Yeah. And I would say that this is um, a final uh, learning for me within protection is protecting our children from a future of failure mm-hmm. and a future of struggles and difficulties. Mm-hmm. We don't think about that, but enough but that's what we do as fathers Mm -hmm. it's our job to teach them right order as we've talked about to teach them virtues but also to guide them for a future of success because a child that is undisciplined a child that is allowed to have easy access to technology Mm -hmm. and is never um has to think about a responsibility of their actions Mm -hmm. is is really destined for future difficulties and Mm -hmm. future failures failures that could be avoided if we are filling them with um time together filling them with connection and good and beautiful and and in christ Mm -hmm. and and protecting them from those things which are trying to to steal that yeah and then sometimes that can mean your kids being a little bit uncomfortable yeah. or being a little bit uh, upset with you. Um, I think of, uh, you know, my boys. Um, sometimes they tend towards laziness. They just want to sit around. Yeah. Right. Oh, we got yard work to do or something. I'm like, come yeah. on, boys, let's go. You know, i got to push them a little bit. Well said. And they're a little uncomfortable about that. Yeah. But at the same time, it's teaching them the virtue of hard work. Um, and parents don't, they don't want to be the bad guy. Yeah. They don't want to be the one that their kids get annoyed with yeah. they just want to be their friends that's right well actually that's not very loving in, mm. the, in the long run the most loving thing you can do for your kids a lot of times is say no yeah you know, when they want to they want more candy or they want buy something at the store that they don't need or you know any number of things um they're playing spend eight hours playing video games 
you know, the point is the one of the most loving things you can do to your children is say no. Yeah. They may be a little annoyed with you for a while. They might be upset, but ultimately it's for their good. And someday they will thank you That's for right. that. Amen. Um, but but the parent has the responsibility to do what's best for a child, even if it's unpopular. Yeah. And you know, as dads, we need to step up. Maybe be the bad guy in the moment. That's right. But if we're doing it for, out of love for our children. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got to do it. We're not and going wrong. I think yeah. uh, as fathers, that's our duty. That's our responsibility. It's the most loving thing we can do to our, do for our children right. sometimes um, is to challenge them or to deny um, those instincts that they may have that are disordered in order for their ultimate good or their future good. Um, and they may not understand. They may resent you a little bit, but it's okay because we're doing it out of heart of love. That's right. And I would say it's never too late, yeah, right? It's right. never too late to start these things, uh, start them gradually, you know, if, if it is later in life. But really important to uh, take this upon ourselves as leaders, as fathers, as mm-hmm. husbands, as men, and, mm-hmm. and pray about these things, right? So hopefully, uh, I know I've understood that protection is deeper than just physical. It's deeper yeah. than just a bat, you know, and, and being yeah. ready while it, while it is that as well, it goes deeper. It goes deeper in the realm of spiritual protection and emotional protection. Yeah. So, yeah. well, thanks, Sam. So I'm yeah. excited about this. Well, good. Well, for today's nightcap, we're going to yeah. we're talk gonna, about something that we didn't bring today. No, we didn't bring today for obvious reasons, but I want to talk about a shotgun. Okay. So I love shotgun shooting. I am big into skeet shooting. Um, and uh, one of the shotguns, the first shotgun that I ever owned was a Remington 870. And so for those people who, who know shotguns, they know that Rem, Remington 870 is like kind of What's like a, a dishwasher gun, meaning like you can you can take it out a day, you can throw it in the dishwasher, mm-hmm. you can pull it back out, put it together, and it is going to keep on running. Yeah, right, this wow. thing doesn't stop, and it's a pump action shotgun, which gets that you know sort yeah. of sound. And with that pump action, you're releasing a shell that's either been um, spent or you are you um, entering in the next shell, yeah. and so it's that action. So. Well, I also appreciate uh, semi-automatic shotguns, mm-hmm. and those are fun too because you can rapid shoot, you know, mm-hmm. shotguns at, you know, especially if you're duck hunting or things like that. Yeah. Those can be real helpful. But there's something again very authentic, very masculine um, about a pump-action shotgun. Yeah. Have you ever shot a shotgun? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah I've okay. got one. Yeah, but okay. you know, I think uh, a lot of guys too, and not to get too violent here, but you know, yeah. a lot of guys say. I want to buy a gun for home defense. Maybe I'm not a big gun guy. That's right. Uh, I don't really know where to start. Well, a uh, uh, shotgun's a great home defense gun, and I'll tell well you why. Said. Because when you have like a pistol or something like that, you can miss, yep. and that bullet can go through a wall and maybe hit somebody you didn't intend, absolutely. which would be absolutely tragic. Mm. But a shotgun, on the other hand, um, is not going to do that. No. Um, it'll hit what you want it to hit and most of the time and, and not right. go through walls and hurt anybody else. Um, and plus, you know, 12 gauge will stop anything. It'll Correct. stop a grizzly bear. No, I, I don't That's know right. about that, but, but it'll stop a lot of things. Get a slug in there. Um, yeah. So, uh, I completely agree with that. Too. Great for home defense. I couldn't agree more. It is the Remington 870 is, um, the police issued, uh, pump action okay. shotgun. Yeah. Um, so they have a short barrel and, and other, you know, uh, features unique to, to what they use, but, 
You're exactly right. Um, hundreds of little beads going out in this yeah. direction. You just have to be general, right? Yeah. And again, not getting too violent, but when, if we can imagine when anxiety or emotions are pumping like a single bullet, you know, unless it's something that you practice regularly, uh, can can be very dangerous, incredibly dangerous. Yeah, well, so. sometimes even that, just that sound of, you know, you say, ch -ch, mm. that's enough to deter anybody. Yeah, They'll right. turn around and get out of there. That's so. right. Amen. Well, cool. So, yeah, thank you for joining us. And as we are reminded every episode, be a man. Be a saint.